I appreciate you taking some time to listen to the podcast. You know, I'm trying to use this as a legitimate instrument of ministry, so the fact that you are listening means that it's at least reaching you, which is necessary if there is to be any ministry whatsoever. So again, I'm, I'm grateful, and I hope that it can be encouraging to you and uh, stir you on in becoming more like Jesus. Today, Fridays, we typically release an episode um, in our series here recently called House Calls. But today, since it's what we call Good Friday, I wanted to postpone that release of House Calls and instead offer some thoughts on Good Friday. So if you're up for it, I just wanted to share some thoughts on this great day. Traditionally, this is the day that followers of Jesus commemorate the atoning death of Jesus. It's a day where we look back and we remember the cross, that staple symbol of the Christian faith. And here's my question. Why? Take a step back, shake off your indoctrinations just for a second, and consider, why do we take time to contemplate the cross of Christ. You know, as a general answer, we can easily say that it's because this event, the death of Jesus, is significant for us. We commemorate things because they are significant. And for us, there is some important meaning to this event. So why is the death of Jesus significant? Because if we just consider the facts here, It's kind of weird that we celebrate this day that says our Lord, our God, was unjustly convicted to death, stripped naked, whipped, nailed to a cross, and totally humiliated to the point of death. I mean, it's odd to commemorate that. And it's even weirder that we call it good, Good Friday. So what's going on here? Not only do I think it's good to just take a step back and consider the cross, but I also think it provides an important posture in reading the story in the gospel accounts, specifically the gospel of Mark. You you may have heard me say this before, but each gospel account gives some emphasis to Jesus' identity, and the gospel of Mark really focuses in on the reality that Jesus is the king, he's the son of God, that he is a figure of authority. Now, in such a portrait of Jesus as king, what is the glaring threat to such a portrayal? In other words, what is it about Jesus that seems to, on the surface, subvert this idea that he is king and has ultimate Authority, it would be the cross, right? If you really consider this, the cross is is a radical stain on authority as the world understands it or as the basic facts would bear out. So here's the interesting thing. 
And I first learned this through a teacher named Marty Solomon who referenced uh, Ray Vanderlyn. But in Mark's gospel, it could be well argued that Jesus's journey to the cross is portrayed against the backdrop of a Roman triumph. Okay, now what, what is a Roman triumph and how does it relate to Jesus' crucifixion? Well, there's a great article on Faith Gateway that summarizes it. And um, I'm just going to read from some of it and add in a few things here. Because I think this is really, really important. Okay, so what is a Roman triumph? And um, I'm going to pull a lot of information from faithgateway.com and their citing sources from commentators and scholars like Robert H. Gundry and T.E. Schmidt. Um, But anyway, a Roman triumph was a procession in which victorious generals and later the, the reigning emperor would march through Rome to present the spoils of conquest to the people of the city. And this triumph was just a dramatic, powerful declaration that the emperor was sovereign and somewhat divine. And it, and it helped build this awe and excitement for how great he was amongst his people. What's interesting, as we look back at these ancient historians who have documented this detailed picture of a Roman triumph, is that it, it adds a lot of backdrop in similarity to Jesus's crucifixion. And so what we have here is Mark's gospel is providing like an apology for the cross. It's saying it was not a defeat, but it was in fact a triumphant declaration of victory. It was God declaring that Jesus is both Lord and God. And there's so many similarities, I'm not going to go through all of them, but... Um, when you look at the Roman triumph, the, the triumphator was given this purple robe from Jupiter's statue and a laurel wreath, sometimes made of gold, was placed on his head. And you see what happened to Jesus, right? He was given a robe and the crown of thorns, right? And then uh, the procession for a Roman triumph began as Roman soldiers acclaimed Caesar as Lord and God. And, and if you read Mark, you'll see after he's robed, after he's placed, uh, a thorn of crowns is placed on his head. The next thing that happens in um, 15 verses 18 through 19, the Roman soldiers began to call out, Hail, King of the Jews. And again, they struck him on the head with a staff and spit on him, falling on their knees. They paid homage to him. So that's what they would normally do in a Roman triumph for a king, but they're doing it in this mocking way. And the similarities continue on, like almost the same sequence. And so, again, what Mark is doing is he he is giving an apology for the cross. He's saying this is not a threat to Jesus as king. The cross is not a derailment of his divine authority, it is in fact how he becomes enthroned. And that is just an important lesson for us to 
sit on for this Good Friday. Because it is indeed almost a paradox. We talk about this day that on the surface looks like defeat. But in fact, it is so good. This is the installment of King Jesus. This is the coronation of King Jesus. And what he's doing is he's turning the power structures that we hold with a tight fist and believe will give us true satisfaction in this life. And he's turning it upside down. And he's showing that true joy, true satisfaction, true power comes not not in might, but through weakness, through love, sacrificial love, which then turns the whole world upside down. And uh, I just want to close with this devotion that I wrote for Good Friday. And uh, I hope it's a blessing to you. But Good Friday, stripped of its context, it is scandalous. It is a paradox. We see the suffering of God. We see the death of life itself. And if we yield to this reality, this absurd claim that Good Friday is indeed good, it changes everything. Because our world has been turned upside down. Fortunately, it is such a life that paves the way to Sunday, where resurrection is the new reality. It is the great upside down, the miraculous reversal, death in reverse. Such a beauty that life comes through death. And it sounds much like what Jesus was stirring in his followers when he said, those who wish to lose their life will save it. It's so odd, but it's so true. You see, if we embrace the goodness of Friday, we experience the glory of Sunday, a new way of living, which is in fact the way of life. We proclaim Good Friday because we have experienced that glorious Sunday, and we know that this is what it means to live in Jesus's kingdom. Good Friday has changed our lives. That we can call that Friday good means that every moment, all of reality can be redeemed in gratitude. Henry Nouwen once wrote this, the cross, the primary symbol of our faith, invites us to see grace where there is pain, to see resurrection where there is death. The call to be grateful is a call to trust, for every moment can be claimed as the way of the cross that leads to new life. The way that leads to new life. It was a good Friday indeed. <laughs>